It's Monday, October 4th, episode 213. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. We're all here, and we have a live listening audience. How's it going, everyone? It's going good. Good. I'm going to have a, a short amount of time on the show today, 20, 25 minutes maybe, but I am glad we all three made it. Um, I'm tired. The kid woke up last night screaming. He was like, Dad, I'm hungry. You haven't fed me in like five hours. And, uh, hey, you know, we're doing good. We're doing good. It's amazing to me. He, um, compared to Kate, you know, Kate would just kind of wake up and cry. He literally wakes up with a rah, like, just like a scream, screaming. just a straight scream. And uh, he is pissed. But, you know, you we take care of it and he's good to go. And mix that later. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely <laughs> something that I want to preserve for the rest of my life. Oh, man. <sighs> All right. Like uh, let's get into uh, yesterday's Today in Tech History. You ready for this one? Here we go. Mm. October 3rd. This was yesterday. You got to guess the year. Did you? Well, for, first of all, Russ, did you listen to the one from last week? <laughs> no. The one that I was on? Uh, no, the one with Paul. Were you Were you on that one? Is that wow. a joke? Oh, it's I can't remember. Nice. Oh, it was me and you. Then? Tyler wasn't there. Tyler, did you listen to it? I'm sorry. No, I, I have not listened to it. No. <laughs> it's uh, it's Monday morning, first thing. I'm not awake. I'm sorry. Here we go. Never mind. Whatever. Anyway, uh, Paul was on. Paul nailed. So there was he a... Nailed it, he, huh? What? He nailed it, huh? The, yeah, like, well, what not only the, the year, but also the location. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's it pretty funny. Go listen to the first like three minutes. <laughs> that sounds like Paul, Friday. though. I love it. Yeah. Okay, uh, transistor patented. Get your thinking oh, caps on here. AT and T Bell Laboratories researchers John Bardeen, Walter Bretain, and William Shockley receive a U.S. patent for their invention of the transistor, which they had successfully demonstrated two years earlier. Hmm. What year was this? He's Bell Labs. God, it's. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out of radio range. Yeah, unless you're going back to the 18s which might not be a bad guess, to be honest. I'm just going to go ahead, and, and I'm not going to go that far back. I'm going to stay pretty close to the 80s. I'm going to go 67. That's a good year for cars. Could be a good year for transistors. No. Is it a special transistor or like the first transistor? The patent for the in inventing the transistor, not a special the one. The transistor, not a special one. Ah, yeah. Jeez. I'm going to go with 1884. Okay, 1950. <laughs> When I thought I was, transistor radios had been around longer than that. I don't know. Clearly, I was way um, off. Yeah, you were closer. You were a lot closer. Yeah, I think the transistor radios were from the 60s. All right. Well, shows what I know about radio tech. Where's, where's, uh, where's Tim? Tim yeah. Davis. I think he's a ham radio operator these days. He, he, can't, he can't be here because I'm here. That's true. Oh, that's right. Same person. You just, yep. you just step aside for a second and just let Tim... <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just go on mute. Okay. Oh man. Uh, All right. Do we want to get to the news, Tyler? Do you want to update us on yes. your camping trip? How, what do we want to do next here? Ooh, I feel my like camping trip was awesome. It was a perfect okay. weekend, and we were, uh, we're, we're experimenting with campers. So we rented a camper, and since I don't have a vehicle that can tow a camper right now, that means that it was dropped off for us, which has conveniences, but it's also annoying in some ways. Um, and it's cool because at campers is that we want to extend our camping season and this weekend ended up being a perfect example of how that can happen because it looked on thursday like it was going to rain all weekend 
the forecast was not pretty for rain and that can be annoying for tent camping um and since we basically plan a camping trip every weekend in the uh fall we we pick the nice ones and go um well it ended up not raining like at all i think it drizzled once uh which just cooled the air down it was some of the most gorgeous weather we've had you know outside to date this year right and um we would have skipped it because of the threat of rain so it was awesome and we were mm. up at uh, lake ray roberts um which i it's been ages since i went there it's just outside of the dfw metroplex it's about an hour away um the it, it's surrounded parks that are on it and uh the one that we went to um which i think it was just the ray roberts state park i'm not positive i kind of forget but it has this really pretty um sort of uh, manicured um i don't know artificial beach uh so it's a really nice, nice. sandy beach that goes right um I, aaron you you remember we went up to that one uh right here in little elm like yeah. a year or two or three like ago. gosh it's a lot like that but it, it was bigger um a lot more pavilions a lot more picnic tables so lots of people were outside wasn't crazy crowded i imagine because of that that rain threat but it was awesome nice. sweet very cool. I was uh, loving the photos that you, you were posting on the Twitters. Okay. I used to go to Ray Roberts as a kid. It's a great lake. Oh, yeah? It I've is. never been. I need to go. I'm going to go. Yeah, my, we, parent, my, my grandparents lived in Wiley. So it's, oh, it's yeah. There you go. So, so we were always should, there. We should take all okay. the kids, Bewley, because it was, it was awesome. And it's really not that far away. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, First of all, before I before I uh, share this next bit of news, I want to let everyone know what my phone number and email address is. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The <laughs> listen, Amazon says Prime members can send gifts with a phone number or email address. No physical address required. That's it's rolling cool. out to yeah, it's rolling out to mobile users in the U.S. Little, right now. Just so we're clear, you said gifts to with a D. yeah, G, yeah. Like the other more. one is GIF. No, it's not. Let's not. <laughs> I'll leave the show right now. <laughs> I'm, just I'm with you. But yeah, G-I-F-T-S. Uh, so yeah, if you have someone's phone number, you can just send them a gift from Wait, Amazon. Wait, can you send you them one or do you have they... to send them multiple? I'm kidding. <laughs> you can send gifts. You can send more than one or you can send just one. <laughs> one or more. Oh, one or, okay, I got it. Ooh, this is a rough Monday morning right here. That's, it's really interesting. It is. It is an interesting thing, just because you know, think the idea of trying to send someone a gift and you don't have their address. I mean, they're going to have their primary, you know, address listed on Amazon. It seems like a pretty easy thing for someone to do, right? I, I don't know. It's an interesting yeah, idea. I, it. This. I mean, I hate to be the skeptic because nice to be able to send somebody a gift if you don't know their address. But don't you have to be I the skeptic? Like, Isn't that your role? It is. I think. Um. It. Somebody is going to abuse this. Like immediately and they're going to send too many gifts gift. they're going to no they're going to send <laughs> more than one yeah they no they yeah exactly but they're going to say it's going to be like stalking and there's oh, going to be a yeah. lot of jokes like it, there are there are but Amazon wins because you're making buying it things. easy right so what it did yeah. they just like copy this section was there was maybe there was something in the facebook leak that said that's if what, we were to say and we would make it easier for people to totally wreck normal social boundaries and just 
Like, does it say anything about opting in? Somebody, right? No, that's a good question Uh, because that would solve a lot of these problems, right? Are you okay receiving random gifts from people you don't know well enough or trust enough to have given your address? That that should be the verbiage. It says, even though Amazon has built in some safeguards, the gift giver never gets access to the recipient's mailing address. Uh, This sounds like a bad idea that is ripe for abuse by scammers, stalkers, and those who take pleasure in the online harassment Uh, of others. Exactly what you just said. didn't even read it. Yep. Here's (laughs) how the new feature works. Gift giver wants to surprise recipient with a present, but doesn't know recipient's email or mailing address. Gift giver does, however, have the recipient's email address or phone number. They choose the gift on the Amazon app, mobile app, select add gift receipt for easy returns, options during checkout, uh, blah, blah, blah. Imagine the recipient this being provide abused. Their address. Like the scamming side of this could be really yeah. ugly, right? Like you send out some ultra cheap fidget spinner, um, but that is obviously not something that you would have ordered and never, I mean, you could take that to to the moon there too. You could send stuff and obnoxious. Oh, it looks like you have to, example, but it looks like you have to accept it. Accept the gift. Go. So the well, recipient okay, gets a, a notice. Bit. Yeah, yeah. So the recipient gets a notice uh, via either a text message or email because they put in email address or phone number uh, that there's a present or a gift waiting. Okay. And if that, you, oh, if you don't have an Amazon more... account, yeah, then you're prompted to do that. And then the recipient can click on the notice to reveal what the gift giver sent. Then they can decide whether to decline the gift, accept the gift but convert it to an Amazon gift card. Oh, the nice. Gift, the gift giver won't be notified or all they right. can just accept the it, gift. I take it all back because that actually does uh, put a damper on the scam side. Because what I was going to say is you could you could send a product somebody doesn't want or have any interest in having. Yeah. They, they open up the box and the first thing inside the box is like, click this link to return this thing. And it's like, well, that's not mine or, you know, return yeah, yeah, it yeah. for a $5 gift card and all it's doing is harvesting data. Not- it looks like they did it right. Yeah, that's you can, because you can see what it is. Bunch of products it. that you can reject and turn into Amazon gift cards, like that's a bad scam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then cool. if the recipient ignores the gift notification entirely. It just expires within a few days. Yeah, and the gift giver gets their money back. So, well, there you go. I'm sure that somebody works. will find. It, but uh, so far, I'm okay. Okay with it. Hmm. Okay. I Sweet. think we should jump to something before Russ leaves because I Do saw it. it and I love it and I know he's going to have some thoughts. But uh, the, the, there was an article on, I think it was TechMeme. Um, it might not have been TechMeme. It could have slashed out too. Uh, anyways, Apple's game outstripped, was it Amazon? Or sorry, not Amazon. Uh, Sony, Nintendo, and at least two other large names. And now I can't find my link. Um by two billion dollars in revenue, their gaming revenue outpaced like the world's biggest game developers. And I, I always love hearing your stats on just how big mobile gaming is. So that was an eight point five billion dollar number, and just I mean, absolutely dominated gaming revenue. You know, you know what's interesting about this is that um, if you if you look at the all of the stuff that's going on with the lawsuit right now. And this this applies to Google as well. It's basically universal as it relates to mobile app stores and the way the payment methods work. Uh, if, actually, you know what the best the best example is this: Microsoft with Windows 11. They are you know they're focusing on the app store for Windows 11, and the big thing about them 
is that they keep saying, well, you can bring your own payment method and we won't take any cut from any revenue from your app. The exception is games. And the exception is always games on iOS. The rules are different for games. They're different on Android with uh, the Google Play Store. They are now different on Windows 11 with the with the Windows App Store, or whatever they call it. So this is this this is a reason why the, the numbers you're putting out right now are because if you went and compared those numbers to the total revenue of the App Store itself, you would find it is just a dramatic, a dramatically high percentage of it. And so awesome. games are different. And they're going to be treated different, which is why the whole epic saga and all that stuff was, yeah. was such a big deal uh, for them. So it's just an interesting thing um, to see that you know, this is this is a reason why uh, games are treated different on these platforms. I can add a little color to that because the article uh, from the Wall Street Journal that I'm looking at actually shows the gaming revenue compared to other app store revenue in a chart. For 2020, it was a well, 13.54 billion for games. And mm -hmm. a mere six point seven seven for for other apps. Um, so two thirds. That trend is is going up. I mean, they're both growing, which is great. But the the dominance of games appears to be pretty uh, pretty consistent. So two thirds of revenue on higher Kager. Got it. That's yeah. that's why games <laughs> are different. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's not surprising at all. I mean, look, man, it's just a it's. It's a it's a platform that everyone has oh access to. Oh my gosh! Okay, you know? so in the in the epic battle, even adding more color, um, mm -hmm. Ned Barnes, a forensic accountant, apparently calculated that Apple's App Store generated a seventy percent operating margin. Did you say seventy percent? You cut out there 70, for a minute. Seventy nine point six, almost eighty. Uh, solid. Well done. Yeah. Well done, Apple. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, those are numbers holy, that I just can't even fathom. Cow. It's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, you know, good for them. That's really all I can say about that. You know, they're 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 doing well in that space. I it's in, you know what's interesting is that it seems like <clears throat> I say it seems like it's they, they still have a lot of ways to go. But since Apple has largely won um, most of the most of what they're looking to do against against Epic recently. And I know there's a lot more stuff to go and I recognize that there have been changes, but I think we all expected Apple was going to sort of come ahead come ahead. In the in the case with with Epic, I think that I think that you're not going to see a lot of changes to this. I mean I think that it's there there's a reality that that this is probably going to continue to grow and continue to be mm -hmm. managed a little differently than the rest of the apps based on some of the precedent that's probably being set right now. There's gonna be some changes like being able to link to or, or inform people that you can pay outside of the app as opposed to putting a new app or a new payment method inside of the app. Like that, that has definitely changed since that was a rule apparently you couldn't do before. Uh, but who knows? Who knows what they'll do long term? So, uh, uh, <clears throat> go ahead. Oh, just I was just doing some research on some of this stuff as y'all were talking about it. <clears throat> this was... A couple interesting things I was just reading. Apple's operating profits from games in FY 2019 totaled $8.5 billion, which is $2 billion more than the combined profits of Sony, Activision, right. Nintendo, and Microsoft. And oh, then Microsoft uh, Tim, that. Yeah. And then uh, Tim Sweeney insane. comments, he says, the key difference is that Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Activision make games. Making games is hard, risky, and requires investment. <laughs> it's much more profitable to just put up a toll booth in front of the creative work of others, which is Apple's, quote, innovation here. <laughs> With an 80% operating margin. 
I, I mean, zero marginal cost, baby. Like that's the, that's the beauty of it. You know, that's I'm that sorry. is the reality of the world we live in. It's, it's the first too... time my my guttural reaction to somebody robbing from Microsoft is equivalent to you know like what happens in the um, arts, right? It, where you have create that make all of the music, movie, what have you, and then it's the toll booths in front of the art before it gets to you, the end user that gets to reap all of that profit. That's exactly what this feels like to me. Yeah, and we've all heard yeah. this comparison too. The market bears it. Yeah, brutal. that's true. The biggest hotel in the world owns no hotels. The largest taxi company owns no taxis. And the most profitable mm -hmm. gaming company makes no games. Yep, 100%. Yep. It's pretty crazy. Um, and sticking on the, uh, the iPhone train before I go, I did want to bring up... Well, so I shared an article with Tyler and Aaron in our private chat that said, new study reveals iPhones aren't as private as you think. This is from March 2021. That's really not. I mean, it is what I want to talk about, but it's there's more of a, a broader topic because I I didn't get into an internet battle. I just I replied to a <laughs> comment on on Reddit this weekend where someone was talking about uh, there was an article that basically said you should care about your privacy and not having anything to hide is not a reason not to. And it it was right. a well written article, and there was a lot of interesting comments. But my favorite part about these comments was the advice that people gave inside of the Reddit comments, which oh, no. just indicated to me how unbelievably clueless people are. And, and it drives me crazy because here's my, here's my biggest issue with it. For the average user who wants to care about privacy, you don't get to. Nope. Sorry. And, and what I mean by that is, and, and, I, and, I, and I responded with one of those wall of text that no one reads and no one wants to respond to, and is if you want to really care about privacy, if you want to give advice about privacy on the internet, then my expectation is, is that you are running Calyx OS or Graphene OS on your phone. Sorry, doesn't include iPhones. Or, or, and or you're running Linux, probably not a really popular version of Linux. You're probably going to have to run something like Cubes OS, or you could probably run Pop OS. It seems to be fine for me. I don't have anything that I've, I've been able to tag that's being lifted out of my PC. And if you're not doing those things, as well as having stringent network level security for blocking network flows, then I can't take any advice you give seriously. Because most of the advice that I see is, well, as long as you buy an iPhone and you run Mac OS you're going to be fine from a privacy perspective. Well, good thing the commercials got to you. Are You're just like the people who listened about Macs can't get viruses in the early 2000s with the <laughs> I'm a Mac and I'm a PC commercials. It is absolutely insane that you think a closed source trillion dollar company doesn't collect data on you. It is absolutely insane to me. And so there are multiple studies that show that iPhones send a significant amount of data and this particular study shows it sends more types of data than even a damn android phone sends now an android phone will send more data overall but they are sending all sorts of different types of data even if the phone is inactive even if you have location services turned off in fact for some of these things it'll show like self-identifying information that is being sent because no one seems to think unless it's Google, apparently, about what the operating system is sending instead of just right. the apps, which, by the way, 
the little button you click that says, please do not track me is shown to not work. And they still send data after the fact. So because all you're saying this, is please. Yeah, the, it, it's, it just there drives was, me insane. There's been a number of articles on that. Yeah. Yes, there has been a number. Of, and I will tell you this. There's, this is a good thing. It, granted, the, the button doesn't work. I'm going to make the assumption it eventually will. But the, um, you know, when they released, what was the thing called? App, ad tracking transparency, the ATT oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked all about the first-party data and, and how everything on the iPhone is first-party data, according to Apple, which means that, they, which, by the way, Apple has a multi-billion dollar advertising business, people. So just be aware of that. It also is growing at a Kager faster than Google. Got everybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they did it. And so, and and what's interesting is that, is that all you know all apps on the iPhone are considered first-party data to Apple, but you know Facebook can't get to X other app, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing. But nonetheless, the Everything was first party there. They they apparently I guess I think it was the EU because they're apparently the only people who really care about trying to push some things. Uh, they actually forced Apple to I guess enable the same button for their apps to where they you know you could tell the Apple apps not to track you as well. But if the button doesn't work, it doesn't matter. But that's and, and that happened in iOS 15, so not in 14.5 or any update from there. But on iOS 15, I I updated my iPad recently to iOS 15. And I finally got that button that you know that says "Don't track me" or whatever uh, it is. So I just for the people out there, this is a PSA. If you think that Apple has your best interests at heart over theirs, you are insane. And if you really want privacy, you need to be like Edward Snowden, who runs an Android phone, running Graphene OS. He also takes the phone apart and soldiers off the microphones and cameras. So consider that for a moment. He also won't use a browser on his phone. He will only use a browser on a Linux computer through a proxy running Cubes OS that has a a built-in proxy that, that you can actually run on any computer. But if you want actual privacy, you need anonymity, which you're not gonna get in an iPhone, sorry. And it's just amazing to me that this continues to be it's just an unbelievable amount of, I guess, success that Apple has in this quest for privacy that even some of the people that I know that work in the tech sector that are very smart genuinely think they're getting. And it, it blows my mind. I just can't believe it. And so, you know, this article is whatever. It's yet another, another article that shows that Apple collects data. That's not surprising. What's surprising to me is the people on Reddit in the comments that are like, yep, this article is this thing. Make sure you buy an iPhone. So it's just, uh, I just don't understand it. It's, you're, you're, not, you're, you're at least, at the very least, and, and I, I would argue against this as well, but at the very least, you're, you're going to choose who you're going to send your data to to some degree. And so maybe you're just more comfortable with Apple. And I'm fine with that. But sure. that is just insane to me. <laughs> that people think that you're just going to get this privacy because the damn ad said you're going to get it. And guess what? You got viruses just as easily back then as well. In fact, I remember explicitly because I was furious over those freaking commercials of I'm a Mac and I'm a PC whenever they said you couldn't get viruses. And then there was a, uh, you know, I use a white hat hacker, right? So it's not, not a malicious person, but he, he was also quite upset with it and then released 1500 exploits the next day that he had found within the Apple operating system. It wasn't called Mac OS at the time. It was called something else, maybe OS X 10 uh, or OS OS X, whatever. 
And so that that's the type of stuff that I the blind faith in any of these companies. I don't care who they are, Apple, Google, Amazon, any that blind faith is insane and it's stupid and you need to stop it. So, anyways, ran over. Bravo, man. I liked it. I enjoyed all of that. <laughs> that had a that had a hint of uh Alan Iverson's we talking about practice. And, uh, <laughs> I channeled it for We're sure. I channeled it. And uh and uh I'm a man, I'm 40 by um dude, I just forgot his name. Uh it had hints of both of those. That was good. Well done. Brilliant. Mic drop. Well done. Okay, I gotta go now. <laughs> you out of here? <laughs> yeah, I gotta go. All Thank right. you for that. I'll see you later. Yep. Bye. Oh man. Now that Rob, I I think he's wrong. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, I'm just <laughs> I lost you for a second. You said now that Russ no, is what? Man, now that he's gone, I was just gonna say that he's wrong, so he oh. can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> you believe that? You're just saying that. No, I'm just saying that. Uh, no, he he's spot on, and it is hilarious to see what people think is secure. I, I mean, I think I I mentioned uh, quite a few shows back now, but someone I know personally uh, was, you know, big tech companies, and they thought that the way that they could get more privacy was to stop updating the mobile operating system. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> that's that is not how you protect yourself or your data, even a little bit. That's, that's how you make it worse. How they're getting it. Yeah, exactly. That's how everyone else gets it. So, what else you got, man? I, I'm intrigued by this article here. Why automakers can't just start using newer, more available chips? But I've not read it yet. I just saw you dropped it in there. Yeah, that, it is a kind of a short and sweet uh, article. Um, at, learned something really interesting in there, which is that uh, I guess Pat Geltinger um, basically threw the gauntlet down and blamed the uh, the slowdown in automobile manufacturing due to the ship shortage on the automobile manufacturers. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's a that's a strong statement. And what this article describes is yes, they use old chips. No new chip manufacturers don't want to produce those old chips because basically they're bigger, they're slower, which means they can't use more modern processes, they can't produce as many per die. All of the things forward when we you know drop them into a GPU or CPU, stuff like that. All the things doesn't what? really apply. Oh, we look forward to. Yeah, well, the things you know, think like Moore's law and how it applies the the doubling of, yeah, of what yeah. you can fit into you. a silicon tie, because the automobile manufacturers are still using very old chips by by chip standards, they they are expensive to produce and they're very specialized, right? Yeah. Um, what what the automobile industry is arguing is that the just moving to more modern silicon isn't that easy because it is a vehicle and if something goes bump it can strand people on the side of the road especially when you have driver assist technology that's that's part of the equation um i think it was really really good and interesting way to highlight some of that stuff right like it's not that easy they can't just start using the new stuff overnight because there's a lot of vetting that has to go into the reliability of the chips but at the same time, down into this, I, I suggest you read it if you're interested in in kind of what's happening to the automobile industry because of this chip shortage. Um, it's a it's a good read, or there are a couple of them actually. But at the kind of towards I'll the end, the uh, TBP chat. 
that that basically said we're we the automobile manufacturers aren't going to use a newer faster smaller you know easier to produce chip because they don't really provide net new revenue right like the one that does Mm. the thing already that's old and stupid no incremental benefit to using a newer version of it and changing the design around it. The uh, new features aren't really part of it so much as just more available, smaller silicon, things like that, which don't really move the needle for them. But well, it would cost the manufacturer money to make sure that it works. Correct. And it would take yeah. a lot of time, which which is a reasonable argument. But yeah. I I do not believe that it is appropriate to say it would have been too expensive to use newer silicon when you can look at what's going on right now and say, guess what? You're not recognizing that small perturbations in the supply of this particular old stuff is going to cause a devastating loss is a huge miss on the cost of leaning forward because it, more modern chips, they would Say still again? be selling. If, if they were using more modern chips, they would not have these problems. Yes. Yeah. There's a line that jumps out to me here. It says, chip makers want as much miniaturization as possible in order to maximize production efficiency. Yep. However, automakers need significant lead time to make sure a chip will work for them. Right. And that goes back to the, if they're going to move into these more modern chips, which they don't even need to function Right to, to do the the very basic things that these chips in the cars are doing, and then it's going to take time. It's going to you know testing and certification and all that kind of. And fun my, stuff. my argument is that there there was a miss in looking at the supply chain risk, which I think is being high. Susan, I I understand a global pandemic isn't something that Ford planned for, right? But yeah. but I don't think I don't think it was unforeseeable that again, relatively small perturbations in the supply of these old chips, which I think I said it a little bit and it states it in the articles as well. Chip manufacturers have no interest in producing these old chips because it's only a matter of time before the automobile manufacturers do move away from them. It's the barriers to getting into it is significant and it's, it's old. It, the process, useful or fruitful for a chip manufacturer either so it's not surprising at all that the you know rapid increase in demand for silicon uh literal physical silicon shortages because of production cuts in china uh specifically china not not asia in general but china um and then the production industry at the beginning of the pandemic when things were shut down even for a brief period of time but but the cost uh Cost to the manufacturers, I think, far outweighs what keeping up with the times would have done with silicon. And uh, hopefully, this is sort of a good lesson learned. And at the end of the day, all of these costs just get consumers. And that's always been sort of the, the what? funny one it's for me. To they, the get, they get pushed. Yeah, they get pushed yeah. to us, right? So, Which, really, your point earlier, prices are going up regardless yes, because yes. the new car shortage. And so, we have used car prices skyrocketing, right? You've got like Carvana and all yeah. those other things are, are having record years or having record quarters, a record year uh, due to this. I'm, People I'm are really curious to see what like the internal competitive understanding of leaning into newer technology on a regular basis for these chips, again, which don't have a lot of margin. 
it it just it screams that the internal process for determining what gets changed in a vehicle, like it is so profit focused, appropriate. Yeah. These are for profit companies that they're missing the point, right? Like and they're you might missing have a unique, the bigger picture. Right. And you might have a unique um perspective. I don't know how well it translates from jets to autos. Um, it's a little different because it's more about capability and what what the customer is willing to pay for. Um, gotcha. it, you make any little change in a jet, and at the end of the day, it's it's probably a contract negotiation in a lot of places, not everywhere. But gotcha. Well, then the other side of it too. Another thought is, I, I wonder how many of these manufacturers, because you you get companies like uh, I think it was Cadillac that said any new models that we come out with will be one hundred percent electric, and so I mm-hmm. wonder if there's this you know, phasing out and phasing in where they don't want to spend time on a product that they know is going to age out. They don't want to try to change anything. They don't want to try to work in newer, you know, yeah, but smaller procs, right? They want to get in and focus well, on the electrified new versions actually, that they're going to do. And maybe those will have the new procs. I don't know. Well, arguably, yeah, they will. But if the old, if the new ones get the the new procs, then you can probably port them back to the old one because you've gone through the trouble of verifying that they're not going to cost that they that they are a suitable for the use in vehicles on the road in in machines that weigh two tons going 70 miles per hour right um so i i don't know uh, in general i think i agree with that that statement this idea that you don't really want to pay attention to the products that are falling off the the book if you will when it comes to something like the the chip integration it it of course is non-trivial but it it is it's probably more difficult to validate a new chip for anything, not yeah. just vehicle A, B, or C, than it is to port it back into the older ones. Because I, I imagine there's a lot of such volumes. I would imagine that there's a lot of sort of like co-design that goes into that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so making it backwards compatible, and I'm not saying as easy as plug and play or anything like that, is probably right. part of that negotiation, part of that discussion. Uh, that it's basically on the automobile manufacturers to validate that it's going to work, it's going to work well, it's going to be safe. And, and no one wants to, uh, you know, that's actually probably part so, of it. I don't know that they got into it. But if if Ford were to go validate a new chip, I bet GE could just do a paper, or sorry, GM could just do a paper validation of the same silicon. So the cost, the industry should just be avoiding this. And maybe they will going forward. They may actually yeah. adopt that this is more of a consortium and just say, okay, these chips are not competitive advantages um, or, or the maybe the ones specifically responsible for this. We need to make sure that our supply chain is more robust. Let's all get together and make sure this never happens again. Yeah. Well, so, gosh. So you, you talk about making sure that your supply chain is more robust. And then you mentioned Pat Gelsinger and Intel. And every time I look into this, I have trouble believing that any of this is the chip maker's pro- fault, not problem, but fault, right? Well, well, um, and that's, that's so that's you, you have design argument. decisions. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. What did you say? I think that was Pat. We we can make chips for you right now, just not the ones yeah. you, not the old ones that we don't want to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. 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 So the manufacturers are deciding not to move forward on processors, and then at the same time. When the pandemic hit, you had um, automakers shutting their factories because of uh, because of the risk due to COVID spreading, right? So they paused, et cetera. Um, and suddenly they don't need 
more chips for the cars because they're not making quite as many. And I guess maybe they thought it would just be a faucet. And this is probably an oversimplification of the process or they didn't think it through. And maybe it's just sure. a supply chain um, challenge or whatever. But it's like they I may it's, it looks like they just thought, eh, let's just turn the faucet off and not order any chips. And then suddenly we're going to turn the faucet back on and then there's going to be chips available to us. That's no way in the, in my, in my mind, there's no way that they were so unaware of their thought. They could turn it off and or off and on again and not know that it was going to have massive impact to their ability to deliver. Um, what was uh, that's the, what I would uh, hope, man. That's what I would hope that there's but, enough so maturity here's the other, in that process. Yeah, right. The other thought that I had, and and this one, I I don't know. Maybe this article was written as like a bio manufacturers trying to make it sound like it's not all their fault. Like this written is shared, as a what? But a, like a, a bit of a, a sob story, right? Like oh, uh, oh, oh, hurt for us because it wasn't all our fault, kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure that this did that for me. Um, because the other thought, let's let's make the argument that. It is not in a chip maker's best interest to keep producing these beyond like a guaranteed order from a Ford or GM or, or a Toyota, whoever's going to buy them, right? Because they're old and they produce fewer of them. So the yield is worse. Well, right. what happens when an industry keeps buying, doesn't want to make because the margins aren't as good? The cost goes up. So the cost has got to be going up on these older silicon devices, unless they have weird negotiations. If it were me, if I was TI or Intel or whoever else they're buying this kind of stuff from every year, those older chips would just cost more. I don't want my factory can produce four times as much of the new stuff. I'm only making them because you order a hundred billion a year, whatever crazy number it is. Right. But, but I'm not going to cut you a sweet deal. <laughs> so which which would mean that not validating would have costs that they don't get anything out of too. So I I don't I guess I just don't see the argument here really it doesn't fit for me. The like not understanding your supply chain risk um holding on to older technology isn't can't be in the long way the least expensive way to do this. Never mind how devastatingly having them available has been right and maybe it just it took the lesson to teach everybody that this is not the way you do business i don't know but uh i don't know curious article i thought it was pretty interesting it was pretty thought-provoking so yeah modernize your car tech man i mean i i get the whole thing of why why use a newer better faster smaller proc if you don't need it sure no, no, I, I get perfect that. but it, even but still, I, the answer is availability yeah. <laughs> yes. is more, yeah, exactly. More people will produce them. That that yeah, is yep. honestly that is the answer. At the end of the day, is that That's they'll right. always be there and they'll always be cheaper. That's, That's right. the other beauty of you know chips and and the fact that they're you know double capabilities and stuff like that is, uh, I would argue that if it's if it's in Intel's best interest to produce the latest and greatest, then you as the buyer of billions have more leverage to say, you know what? I don't need it to be twice as capable, but I do need it to cost half. I'll keep buying the new stuff if you keep driving prices down. And then everybody wins. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And you don't have a $400 billion supply chain catastrophe in 2021. Yeah. Hey, did you watch this uh, the sixty minutes thing? The Facebook. I did not. I have not seen it yet. Um, I don't really watch mainstream. All, yeah, but I do kind of want to go hunt that one down because it looked pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, they were um, uh, on Squawk on the Street. They they had clips of it 
this morning and then they had Facebook on um, the, the VP of comms. She was on there talking and uh, basically just trying to refute every bit of it and just saying, look, this is hundred percent a lie. It has, there's no, no bearing in truth. And so obviously one of the two of them, um, the one that, that worked in Facebook and leaked documents and was talking about, you know, how do decisions you, that you was watching be made documents. That's not real. That one's also not real. That's so one not of them is lying. <laughs> one of them is lying. But basically, what it comes down to, from what I've what I picked up, based on what Squawk on the Street talked about this morning and, and highlighted, um, it was everything that you've ever basically said about anything around yeah. all of this. Where it was, yeah, yeah. they they would intentionally push, um, uh, just fanatical or fantastic or like however it is you want to describe that polarizing yeah polarizing content and mm-hmm. um gosh the 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 vp of comms she can't i can't remember her name uh, but facebook she came with you know oh it's only only six percent of posts are political and you know six percent uh, whenever you look at yeah whenever you look at um, posts yeah she she said some like crazy things like um if you compared the election, the la- the most recent election, presidential election, uh, to Halloween, there were over twice as many posts about Halloween as there was about the election, or, or something like that's supposed to just make that's me believe that Facebook isn't making decisions. Yeah, it, it, it make me believe that Facebook isn't making decisions behind the scenes that will intentionally drive more revenue for Facebook. Well, we, um, but we also know that more, just because yeah. more people post about Halloween doesn't mean Facebook gets more money for posts about Halloween. My guess is that it's right. a more profitable post, especially if it's polarizing. I'm not to yeah. say, not, not to say that there aren't going to be polarizing, you know, pumpkin posts too, but my guess is that that the shocking sort of posts and things like that 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 really get people to engage emotionally is. Did I lose you? That way, if you did, I don't know what's going on with my audio today, but um, there you are. Yep. No, this is. Your guess uh, is what? My, my guess is that they get more revenue from polar. Pumpkin that makes people angry, or or uh, you know a political topic, right? But one of them is yeah. more likely to be polarizing than the other out of right. the gate. Yeah. Um, so I I get I get the pushback. Obviously, nobody's going to stand up and be like, "Yeah, we're totally broken and evil on the inside." But uh, yeah, it's correct to lie to say, "Oh no, we're totally not just ignoring all of the yeah. good we said we'd do to keep making more money." So what do we do? What happens? Like what? what I mean, Facebook is buy more Facebook. Facebook. Well, <laughs> buy more Facebook. If they're, they're focused on too. profit, they're a good buy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because it's that's kind of what they were saying on uh, on, on Squawk on the Street too. Like, despite all this stuff coming out, Facebook yeah. has continued to climb um, in uh, in market capitalization. They will now never be a- held accountable, and they learned how to print money off of all of us monkeys on the internet. So, yeah. bye. Yeah, <laughs> you don't it have had, to feel uh, good about it. <laughs> yeah, it had a, I guess I think a decent pullback. I don't know what the percentage was, but it had a pullback like after the, the 60 minutes thing. Yeah, maybe it was like 2%. Barely. It was like, like 2%. That. No, I, I watch it because I think I've mentioned before, I own some yeah. Facebook that I got a very long time ago, which now at this point, it's just hard to get rid of. Um, yeah, it's but, down um, three, it's down 3.18%. Um, but it more. looks like a cliff, like it fell off from 
about 344 to now sure. 331. But so. if you look at if you look at the sawtooth of Facebook this year, it basically yeah. every time somebody says something bad, it goes down and then it goes and hits a new all-time high. Right. Yeah. And it'll yeah. just keep doing that because we're dumb. And and it's probably going to be a good financial decision to invest in a company like Facebook. It's kind of like investing in Philip Morris. Are they doing good things? No, but are kids addicted to cigarettes? Yes, buy. Right? <laughs> and I'm not saying good now. This is old thing. This is this right, is the equivalent. Yes. And are they going to keep if if you're looking at this and you're trying to take emotion out of it and you're trying to decide what you want to put your money into, right? Like Philip yeah. Morris at the height of kids smoking cigarettes was just a good financial decision. It was dirty. Dude, you want to take a guess? Borderline. Do you want to take a guess? They, so they were founded in 1847. They're headquartered in New York. Do you want to take a guess at either the number of employees or their revenue? Let me oh say gosh. this, though. If they're you just, huge. If you just pull up Philip Morris, their main tagline is delivering a smoke-free future. Well, yeah. Which is interesting. Because they got wrecked. <laughs> they got, but the, the, the cigarette industry, like, they got wrecked so bad in our legal system that it basically created tort reform, like, like large, you know, class action lawsuits, because they, we can't afford to have businesses that big getting wrecked by people suing them. So we tried to fix it. Yeah, they own Marlboro. <laughs> Hell yeah, they, they do. They own Virginia Slims. All of them. They own. They own. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. They're huge. No, I don't. I don't. One hundred fifty thousand. I don't know how big smoke? they are. Yeah. Seven. Well, this. I mean, it's shocking. Yeah. Seventy-eight thousand employees. A lot. Okay. Yeah. That's that was a little smaller than I was thinking, but but it was a complete off-the-cuff guess. It's massive, and I, I didn't mean to take us down this rabbit hole, but I think the the corollary is really useful in your head. Like mm -hmm. Philip Morris sold death to the yeah. entire globe. For like a century, yes, fied them, and they are still here, and they are still printing money, and they were still a good investment, but a dirty one, right? Like morally, ethically, just ugh. And yet, it does not stop them from going forward. Facebook isn't selling cigarettes; it's not going to cause cancer, but it's pretty messed up what it's doing and how it's engaging with people. Because it's not, about it, it's not a cigarette. Their baseline isn't actually. They may get more money by making people engage in these these more extreme ways, but they can still make lots of money by making adjustments to that algorithm and doing the right thing. Yeah. I'm personally hopeful that they will and they will stop making this worse just to squeeze every last you know ounce of blood out of the rock. But it's also Facebook, and I have very little faith of that happening anytime soon. So I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm torn on it. I, I don't, I do not like it. Like more that, that Facebook is making a lot of mistakes. And I think this is a very dangerous, uh, I think it's a very dangerous path that I think a lot of companies are getting into. Facebook gets the brunt of this, but I am not convinced that most social media platforms are not really focused on just making more money. In fact, sure. And I wish Russ was here because I'm sure he'd have a comment about this too. I think mobile gaming fits right into this category because mm. the reason, one of the reasons mobile gaming is so profitable is that, yes, you put a toll booth in front of the games, the games get, you know, the, the game producers who want to carry 
is built, mobile gaming is built around addiction. Yeah. They want you to just, they, they want you to need to come back to get mm-hmm. some little dopamine rush. And they want you to feel like a $2 purchase is worth it. And right. that turned into billions in revenue. Not, there's, it's content that's doing this or Sony Nintendo. I said, it's not quality content that's doing that. And that's not to say that there aren't high quality content mobile games, but the style of game is designed to get you to trickle pay because of basically addictive principles. That's dirty and ugly and awful too. Oh, but it's, it's not as bad on rest yet. So we haven't attacked it as aggressively. Yes, I could easily right now name more than half a dozen people that spent several hundred dollars on Clash of Clans. And yes. one person I know in particular that spent more than a thousand dollars on Clash of Clans. <laughs> what? But yeah, but, but I, like I get it. I in, in, in the thing, my point there is somebody's going to say, well, that was a choice. You didn't have to spend a thousand dollars. The problem is that the game was designed to try to get as many people to spend as much money as possible. And they did it in like kind of dirty ways that was was created to make you spend money to get that good feel it's just like a slot machine only worse because it's tied to your credit card and you can do it in your bed and and this is why apple is fighting to make sure that clash of clans couldn't transact outside of apple's ecosystem because the toll booth when you spend a thousand dollars in in-game currency and you don't get a cut and so, like, I again, Facebook gets so much garbage for this, and they deserve it, but it's everywhere. Yep. I think that does it for us today, man. I think we need to shut this down. I got to go to another call. And um, if you give me your phone number, I'll send you a, a wired <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I got to assume it's Bluetooth because it's always Bluetooth. But, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, let's get you a wired connection. microphone. Optional. Ugh. Let's yeah, just reach into the TBP piggy bank. And, Actually, uh, I might, I might have an old one that only has one ear that works that I could do for that. We'll have to give okay. it a shot. Anyways, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. I'm so happy everyone was able to join us today. We had a great time. We hope you did too. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And thanks for sharing. Talk to you, hopefully, on Wednesday. Cheers. Have a great day. Oh, y'all. yeah, Grandma.